When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before you hear the next great podcast, we'd like to tell you about a new 90-second show which distills everything that President Donald Trump has said in the last 24 hours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available at wherever you get this podcast. Uh, death totals, our numbers per million people, are really uh, very, very strong. We're, we're very proud of the job we've done. Look for a link in this here podcast description or search for What Has He Said Now? in all the usual places. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. Uh, we've done the 60s, we've done the 70s, now with no football, we're going to talk about the 80s. And I've asked about 50 different players, all of whom have said no to an interview. But at last I found one who said yes. Thank you, thank you and welcome to the Man City Show, to Jim Melrose. Good evening, how are you doing Nigel? <laughs> I'm alright Jim, thanks for joining us my friend. Listen, uh, lots of clubs, lots of goals, lots to talk about. Um, how did it all start, Jim, in terms of your footballing? Were you always going to be a footballer? Were you in the school team and that stuff? Yeah, I think I think you know in in the the sixties there was a natural there was a pathway. You know, that, it's a buzzword that, that clubs now, but but the pathway that I went through was school team, uh, Glasgow Select Boys Club, um, then Glasgow Secondary School, Scotland School Boys, and then professional at, at fifteen and a half. And it was it was Partick Thistle, wasn't it? I think it, it took was, you on yeah, to, Part, to start Partick with. Thistle, we, uh, they were a, a small club here in Glasgow and in the north of Glasgow. I think what the, what it would be deemed in England is an associated schoolboy form, which we call it an S form up here. Um, I signed that in oh, I was thirteen years of age, so um, that was about seventy one. Um, and then and then progressed through. Thistle had a an ethos of having five S forms, and when one they they they, they, were, they went for 
for quality, for a bit, want of a better expression, quality rather than quantity. So they worked with their five S forms until um, somebody would then turn professional and then somebody would come into the other end. So there was always five in the conveyor belt. Mm. Um, and that way we got to train with the first team, with the reserve team, and learned a lot of things very quickly. So, so in 71, was that the days of, of the, the schoolboys? Were you cleaning boots and, and washing the kit as well in those days as well? Or, well, like, I wasn't, well, I, <laughs> we, I wasn't on the ground staff. Obviously, I was still at, uh, just uh, gone to secondary school. We started a year later in Scotland than they do in England. Mm. Um, and talking about cleaning boots, I was still cleaning boots and putting kit away when I was a first-team regular. Uh, <laughs> and that was immediately after the game. I was in the team about nine months before I got a clean bath. Why, why was that? That was just the way it because was. Because that was just a natural progression. You, 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 you had to earn your spots. You had to earn the respect of, of the guys you were playing with. Um, it was a way of keeping you grounded um, so that you didn't, you didn't um, get carried away with yourself. Um, so, but, yeah, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. And forgive me, the Partick Thistle side of 71 isn't something that comes readily to mind. Were there, yeah. were there any kind of future stars or stars on their way down at the end of their careers? Who were the, who were the characters of stars? Glavin, the Ronnie Glavin, who played for Celtic mm. and also mm. played for... Um, uh, played for Scotland and played for Barnsley. Uh, that was probably, you know, in 71, Celtic lost 4-1 to Partick Thistle, which was cataclysmic. Um, <laughs> nobody expected it. Um, but Thistle have always had, they've always had, uh, the players have had a DNA um, of unpredictability, from going from the, the sublime to the ridiculous in, 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 in a millisecond. And on that particular day in the first half, they scored four times. Um, but there was not, it was John Hansen at right back, who is Alan Hansen's brother. Um, uh, and, and that's probably the two best known players. Oh, and of course, Alan Ruffin goal. Uh, of, course. of course, yes, yes, yes. Uh, probably the best shot stopper I ever played with. But unfortunately, he was a bit like Dracula. I hated crosses. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so that was probably the three that that, that, that people would, would 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 associate with. And you, you you played more games for them than any other of the sides you played for. Um, yes. ha- happy times at Thistle. Yeah, you, great you just... times. I discovered a thing called the Gracia Payments when I moved to England. So that played a big part in it, you know. Um, <laughs> but certainly um, at Partick Thistle, it was it was, um, it was it was a part-time club. My dad made me take a trade, so I'm an electrical engineer by by profession, which um, I got my time out and didn't do it anymore, thankfully. Um, and um, it was they gave me a chance a lot sooner. Um, than anybody else. When I was 15, I got my schoolboy caps and was fortunate enough to score twice against England. In fact, Tommy Coyne from Manchester United and mm-hmm. um, Mark Higgins and Kenny Gleipi led back, he played for uh, played for Arsenal. Kenny Sampson. Kenny, Kenny Sampson. We beat, we beat them 4-1 and I was fortunate enough to score twice. And, and I had my pick of clubs, but my dad being... Um, an old-fashioned sort of a guy said, no, no, not full-time. You break a leg or you don't make it, you've got a problem. So um, I went down um, taking a trade and going part-time. Uh, and always a striker, Jim, as it's because you talk. Yeah. To, it's, it's yeah. always interesting I, talking always. to other other players, and, and you know, I started at this, and they tried me at this position, and so. But no, you, I, you've no. always been a striker. That's always been your position, yeah, right? Yeah, I always I always played up front. Although a lot of people thought eventually I would have, I would have um, 
become a midfield player um, mm. because I don't, you know, in those days I had an eye for a pass, I could score, I had decent athleticism. Um, but like everything else, um, it's all about opinion. And, and the manager at the time, Bertie Old, said I was a front man, and that was it. Mm. And then spend a bit of time kind of in the Midlands, Leicester and Coventry. And again, yes, you played, you played a, a good number of games for Leicester. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Again, Leicester. A good, good, good ratio of goals as well there, there Jim. Yeah, you, you carried on scoring. Yeah, the thing about the funny thing about Leicester is I scored twenty six in about sixty games and never scored in the first twenty. So it's not a bad ratio, as daft yeah. as it may sound. Um, uh, I went there. Jock Wallace paid a considerable amount of money, two hundred and seventy five thousand, I think it was for me, in nineteen eighty, which was a lot of money for a part time player. Um, but absolutely loved Jock, loved the city. Um, Gordon Milne came in, um, had worked with Tom English and decided to, that he wanted to swap me, uh, which he did, um, and um, went to play for Dave Sexton. And again, it was a Coventry team that was full of Gary Gillespie, Danny mm. Thomas, Jerry Francis, um, Jerry Daly, Mark Haley, Gary Thompson. It was a good side. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, um, they had money troubles um, at the end of my first season. And they sold virtually the whole team um, just to clear the books and, and, uh, my, and, stay, my stay would have been longer there sure and, and obviously you then went to Celtic back up to Scotland yeah. I, I'm interested uh, I, I don't think it's a secret that you're, you're a big Rangers fan of course yes so, so, so how was it <laughs> a Rangers fan playing for Celtic how, how did you feel difficult. How, did, how did the difficult. fans take to you as well in those days because you know in, in the 70s 80s you know the pro- problems real issues were, oh absolutely around. Absolutely. I mean, it's fair to say that Celtic, I mean, I'll say this, Celtic had a great club, um, absolute pleasure to play for them, treated me brilliantly. But like all clubs, you've got elements of supporters who, who don't like you. Um, and that's what happened to me. Um, you know, uh, I would love to say that, you know, that, that I would have stayed longer. Um, again, I got, my ratio was something like, I think I played 29 games, scored 14 goals, which is not bad, but um, for a club like Celtic, it's not good enough because they Charlie Nicholas, who I replaced, has scored 52 the year before. So yeah. that was never going to happen. So you that pressure. I'm an East End boy. I come from a big Rangers family. Didn't work for me. Sure. And, and can, can I just press you a little bit on that in, in terms of you said that a lot of a number of fans that didn't like you. How, how did that present itself, Jim? And, and how did that make you feel? Play You wore, you wore that green made, and white jersey. I, I, I didn't want to play. You know, one thing about playing football is that in, 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 in the era that I played and probably before, we didn't have squad rotation. We wanted to play every game, you know. Mm. And that's the only time in my career I can honestly say to you that I didn't want to play football. Because I knew the men that were on the park, and irrespective of what I did, I make one mistake and I get absolute dogs abuse for it. And I'm not going to say what kind of dogs abuse because it's it's not um, it wouldn't be proper. Um, but a lot of Celtic fans um, were are, are decent people, and, and they apologise for it. This was not by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of people. But it was enough to be heard what they were saying, and it and you, so, so just so just to be clear, while you were on the pitch playing, you could hear that abuse, could you? And again, oh, absolutely. I, I respect you. We're not going to go into what was said, but you could absolutely. hear that. It was yeah. And and was the support at the club? And again, we'll we'll move on from this after this one question. Was the support? Were people aware of that abuse? Did you get any sort of support or help in dealing absolutely. with that? Absolutely. I mean, David Hay, the manager, was magnificent. Uh, the players were great. Um, <laughs> 
And, um, you know, now, I, I, listen, Celtic's nothing other than a magnificent football club. And I will mm. never, ever, ever criticise, particularly the way they treated me. Good. Well, that's good to hear. So, so then, obviously, uh, I think November 84, Just uh, we want to talk uh, about City, of course. Uh, this is the Man City show, after all. Uh, yeah. And I suppose I, I'm interested particularly in terms of how that move came about. Am I right in thinking that Billy McNeil had seen you before and had interest in you before joining City? Is that right? He, he did. That's right. When I was at Partick Thistle, both Rangers and Celtic tried to sign me. Uh, at the time, I was going to, to Leicester City. Um, and obviously, uh, Billy had remembered, um, obviously I'd gone down south, <coughs> excuse me, and it, it kept me in mind and remembered what I did at Partick Thistle. Um, and he sent Ken Barnes, the late, great Ken Barnes, mm-hmm. um, to go and uh, to watch me because I was in loan, I was loan at Wolves under another enigmatic Scot called Tommy Doherty, <laughs> who was absolutely magnificent. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. So, so help us, give us a bit of insight then into uh, uh, the great Tommy Doherty then. Or, okay, Tommy hurts, Doherty, hurts, my, my favourite story, my favourite story of Tommy is that we had a, a, a guy called Neville Hamilton who was my apprentice at Leicester, Leicester City, funnily enough. Um, and we were training one day and, and, and Neville took a heart attack and he died on the pitch. This is pre, um, you know, all the diagnosis of, it, you know, everybody having heart conditions, sudden death syndrome, etc. Sure. And the physiotherapist come running out and, and got him back. The ambulance arrived about five or six minutes later. As they were putting Neville on the stretcher, he went again. So the two ambulance men are working really well. Uh, and they got him stable and they put him in. And as they were putting him in the back of the ambulance, Tommy came out of his office and said to the to the to the ambulance man, hey, sir, wait a minute. He says, what is it? He says, get those boots off them. They're brand new. Right? <laughs> now, it's, it's no finish there. It gets better. <laughs> that night in the Express and Star in Wolverhampton, the front page says, Neville Hamilton suffers heart attack at training. And underneath it, there's a quote from Tommy saying, it's the best attack we've had all season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brilliant. So what what about that move to City then? How did that come about? When did you first know that they were they were in for you and that, and there was a move potentially on the cards at the end of eighty four? Well, I, my last game for for Wolves was against Cardiff in the league. Um, we played the Wednesday night uh, against Southampton. I scored twice in a two each draw down at the Dell. Came back, played Cardiff on the Saturday, and the loan was up. Celtic were not. It was a, it was a, a case of buy them or let them come home, let them come back. So I went back up to Celtic Park and at some time over the weekend, 
David and Billy had spoken, and I was asked to go down to City on the Wednesday. Um, went through a medical, signed on the Thursday, and that was it, basically. So it was done. It was done fairly quickly. Oh, and what were your feelings? What were your feelings at the time about this club? Obviously, anybody, most people listening to this podcast love our club. Uh, we're obviously in the uh, in the second tier at that time, yeah. of course, when you joined us. But what what were your thoughts as an outsider of joining this, well, this club? Well, I wasn't really an outsider because Manchester City was my my English club. Um, and the reason for that is that there's a great affinity between Rangers and Manchester City. Mm. And a lot of Rangers supporters support Manchester City and vice versa. And even today, it's still the same. Um, so I knew that they were a big club. In fact, I remember, I go back to about 1970, I played for Glasgow Schoolboys against Manchester Boys at Old Trafford. Um, and we went to meet Tony Book, who was the manager at that time, mm. uh, on the Thursday morning. Um, and, uh, and as I say, you know, a lot of us were, were were sort of not closet city fans, but that was that was our English team because there was it's like Rangers, it's either Arsenal or, or Manchester City because a lot of Rangers supporters support Arsenal also because they always seem to play against them. And, and, and the other significant point as well is that the first English club I played as a professional was against Manchester City in the Caledonian the Terence Caledonian Cup in the start of the seventy six seventy seven season. Um, and we got beat 4-1 and I happened to score that night and, and so City had always been in my mind I knew they were a big club I knew the supporters were they were, they were, they were passionate about the club um, so for me it was an easy decision mm-hmm. And Billy McNeil obviously was the manager at the time but as I understand it it wasn't he who welcomed you on your first day No, it was Jimmy Frizzell mm-hmm. who I absolutely adored a lovely man Jimmy was lovely you know, dry sense of humour, good in the dressing room, good with the players. Um, you know, I'd, I'd come across Jimmy when he was at Oldham, uh, playing against Oldham, um, and, and he was just—he was just a class act. And who were the kind of the characters at the time then? I mean, just to remind our listeners, we've, we've as, as I said at the intro, we've done the sixties, the great sixties and seventies side, who won everything, and 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 now just just remind us some of the characters who were in the restaurant. I think Paul Power was the the captain. Yeah, he was the captain. I mean, I've got to say this before we start. The only reason the other forty nine rejected is because we all suffer from some form of dementia, and you're asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, so, Jim. Listen, you, you said the dressing yes, room, right? The dressing room was full of characters. You know, you, you, you Graham Baker, who was quite dry. Um, you Kenny Clements, who was excellent. Um, Kinsey and May were a double act. Uh, Mick McCarthy was as dry and as funny as they come. A great leader, a great winner. You had Parlane, you had McNabb, you had Melrose, you had Smith. It was a great. It was an eclectic mix in the dressing room. Do you, know, do you know what? The, would it be better? There are far too many bloody Scotsmen there for my liking as well. It sounds like a, almost a Scottish eleven there. Almost. No, hold on a minute. We inherited England, so we we own. So 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 don't go there. All right. Look, <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there was a lot of Scots in it, but but there was you know it was a great mix. There was. I'll tell you what. Dressing room humour transcends nationalities particularly in the, in, the, in the British Isles. Maybe a bit different now because there's so many foreign players in it. But the Welsh, the Irish, the Scots and the English, it's, it, it's a great mix in the dressing room. It really is. And when you get it right, it is a funny place. Sarcastic and caustic. 
sarcastic, absolutely, but very funny. And am I right in thinking uh, I worked with somebody's sister, a bit of a tenuous link here, but for many years I worked with a young lady called Elaine, and her brother was one of your best mates at City, another Scot, uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Gordon Smith. Am I right in thinking that he was one of your mates when oh, you were up there as well? I can't stand Gordon Smith. I think he's a, <laughs> I hate him. In fact, he, 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 lives, he lives about a five-minute stroll from his now in Glasgow. So I, I still see Gordon regularly. And what about the fans? Obviously, we, we touched briefly on, on your time at Celtic. What about the City fans? What was your relationship like with them? What was your well, view I, I, of City I would City like to think it was good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'd like to think it was good. I, I'd never heard anything detrimental. Um, and that was the thing that, that when we were winning, we could feel we could feel the love. When we were losing, we could, we could feel the frustration. You know? But never never once. I mean, the only time that I think I ever saw City fans angry was at the Notts County game. Um, when the Is this the promoted. one, the, 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 the game before the Charlton game you're talking about? Yes. That one where we yes. lost. So, so yes. just again, just, just to be clear so people understand what we're talking about. This is, we're talking about May uh, 85 and City going for promotion. Uh, we've got Oxford and Birmingham and City and Portsmouth all sort of vying for this, yep. these promotion slots. And the penultimate game is against Notts County away. Uh, and we lose the game 3-2, I think Paul Simpson scored 3-0 down at half-time, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And uh, the City fans came into the dressing room. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, uh, us about, tell us about that. How did, how did that come about? That was not well, they, 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 if you remember, they pulled, they pulled, the, um, they pulled all the, the holding down behind one of the goals, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, they, you know, and a few... Well, no, don't get me wrong, it was two or three they came in and they told us what they thought, you know? Um, uh, there was no... Don't get me wrong, how they get through security, I've got no idea. But... Um, they came in and they told us what they thought. There was there was no there was no threat of 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 any violence or anything like that. It was just sheer frustration because it was their team. Simple as that. Um, and and we, we since we came back from Malaysia, we really hadn't because we, we we were walking the league. We we were we were mm -hmm. the best team in the league up until um, we got knocked out of the cup by Coventry, and then we get taken to Malaysia to play five games. In 10 days, and we were absolutely dead on our feet when we came back. Uh, so in terms of Notts County, I, 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 you know where I'm going next if I mention Notts yeah. County, because, and it's such a shame this was not televised, I have to say. So this is, we're going back now to December. Uh, mm -hmm. The previous so, year was it, was it December or November that happened? I, I think I, th I think it was the December. I think it was December the eighth, if I'm right. Um, and this is now back at Main Road. Yeah. Um, and two nil final score. Is that right? I was saying that Philip scored yep. the other one. Yep. So, so do, do you want to again? There may be some people listening not having a clue what we're about to talk about here, Jim. But I'm going to set the scene and leave you to tell the rest. So we're talking about Notts County at home at Main Road. Um, there were twenty thousand one hundred nine, and you'll know why I'm saying that because I'm sure uh, more than that number of people have come up to you and told you they were there that day. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, so, I've so, had so a tell, pick up the story and tell, tell us what happened. Tell us what everybody what we're talking about here. We well, we, we played Notts County, and Alex Williams kicked the ball out of, out of his hands. Um, he kicked it just over the halfway line. I took it in my chest. I flicked it up with my knee. And I absolutely nailed a shot from about 40 yards into the top corner. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I thought it was 25 yards out. <laughs> and when the ball hit the back of the net, 
main road went quiet. It's the thing I always remember. There was a stunned silence. And when I came in at half time, Jimmy Frizzell sat me down and he went, that was some goal. I said, thanks, Jimmy. He said, when you hit it, I said, what the fucking goal that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it didn't stay silent. You say, obviously, there was that fraction of a second where suddenly... Yes, there was, absolutely. Well, and then it erupted. Have, then it erupted. Absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely erupted. You know, it was it was a once-in-a-lifetime strike. Um, you know, and the good thing about it is, is the older I get, the further out I get. Um <laughs> In fact, I, I, I think can, it was a Macclesfield when I hit it. Um, but, <laughs> I, I but, but no, it, 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 it was just—it was a perfect storm. The ball dropped, uh, and I just hit it. I thought I—I I really did think I was only about twenty-five yards out when I hit it, and I was—I was—I was gobsmacked when I discovered I was inside the halfway and inside the centre circle. And what did your colleagues say when they engulfed you uh, when it hit the back of the net? What 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 were they saying? What was said? Obviously, I think that that, that quote is fantastic, of course. From, yeah, yeah. From, from, I, mean, from, that, that, I think they were all at that. What, what's happened here? What's happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it, listen, it was a fluke. There's no way. It was a perfect strike. It, everything, as I said earlier, it was a perfect storm. It dropped where it should. I've hit it as sweet as end I've ever hit in my life. Um, and it went in the other 999 times it would have been into the into the stand at this day it didn't sure. So, sure. Um, so, so I quote the number of 20,109 if, if you were a betting man which I know you're not obviously Jim uh, if you were what number would you put on the number of City fans who have come up to you over the years and says I was at that game against Notts County in December 84 when you hit yeah. that goal from 45 yards what, what number would you reckon you got up to well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be far off it. I wouldn't be far off it. Um, because I, say, I, I played for the City Old Boys um, from sort of mid-30s right through till I was 55. Mm-hmm. And people would come up regularly. Probably the same people that I don't remember who they are, you know. Um, <laughs> so there were, there, were of, there were a few doublers in there, you know. Um, but but it, it, it's great that, 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 particularly as it was never televised, for people to come yeah. up and say, you know, and what made it even amazing was the fact that when we left Main Road, it was it was in the running for one of the best goals ever scored at Main Road. Yeah, and, sure. and that that is that is, is, is a great a great a great a great compliment to me and to the city fans for remembering it. One of the great games was the game that we played after Notts County, the last game of the season, yeah. uh, against Charlton Athletic. What a day that was. Just, just again, to remind people uh, we needed to win to get promotion back to the, the old first division as it was. Uh, we, we won the game, which we'll come on to in a second. And again, you were, again, one of the goal scorers that day. You scored lots of goals for City. Um, just, just give us a bit of an insight, because you know, I've said on this show many times, excuse me, many times interviewing players where we're just fans, we come and watch. It's wonderful to get real insight from the players who, <clears throat> you were there on that day, Jim, you played in that game, you scored in that game. Yes. What an absolute, yeah. just, just, just before we get to the game, give us a bit of insight into kind of the build-up. Was it, was it, was it kind of nervousness? Was it confidence? What, what was it? What, it, it, what it's a combination, of, a combination of a lot of things, really, because I think if you remember, we, as I said to you, alluded to earlier, we went out to Malaysia, and when we came back, we had a lot of injuries. You know, I'd done a hamstring at Barnsley. Gordon got himself injured with a, with a, with a at Portsmouth with a foot injury. You know, Jim Tommy was injured. Um, in fact, I got jabbed up. I had to go and see uh, the club specialist, Doc Mark, Mark, uh, Markham, Markham, 
I was given a painkiller to play in the game. Um, there was a lot of things going against us in terms of personnel. Um, but in the dressing room, it, it was strange. It was, it was, you know, a lot of banter. You know, the boys were, were um, they were quietly confident that we could we could take care of the job. Um, but for me, the turning point without doubt is when we came out the tunnel at Main Road. And we saw how many City fans had filled the ground that day. And every single one of them, every single one of them, you could feel that they wanted us to win and they were, they were, they were willing us to win. And, and I've said this to many people before. I've played in derbies in London, in the West Midlands, in the East Midlands. I've played in Rangers Celtic matches. And without any shadow of a doubt, that is the best atmosphere I have ever played in. That's ever amazing. played in. Again, just for completeness, 47,285 is the official yeah, attendance. Yeah, that, that, that was the official game. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I did say official attendance. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, and what an atmosphere it was. And, and just, it was, a, it was a carnival atmosphere. It was a party atmosphere. And just, so talk us through the, the, the game itself. You walked up there, obviously, beforehand, you said it was a mixture of nervousness and confidence. You've talked about that amazing feeling walking up the tunnel. What yeah. about during the game then as well? What, uh, what were your memories? Well, I, I think that, that, I think that when, when you walk down the when you, when you walk down the tunnel, there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of mm. your body is doing a whole lot of mental and physical things that you don't want it to do. Mm. And, and for us that day, when we walked out, instead of having apprehension and nervousness from the fans, we had a we had a great a great positivity and a great encouragement. And that flipped itself into into an unbelievable. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unbelievable feeling of, of adrenaline. Mm. Um, we were lucky that, that, that we started off well. Um, I should have scored early doors and missed a good chance. And then David Phillips scored. Mm. And that settled us right down. Andy got a great header uh, from a corner kick just prior to, to half time. Um, we knew, we wouldn't say we knew the job was done, but we knew we needed one more goal in which mm. to to settle everything right down so that, you know, two 0 is a dangerous is a dangerous scoreline because you can you can so easily lose momentum when they yep. score one. Um I was fortunate enough to get in the end of a great cross from Paul Power and that was it. The rest just, you know, um it was it was just party atmosphere after that. And mm. as I say, you know, the whole ground was jumping and it's it's without doubt even to this day I still get um, the hairs in the back of my neck standing up because of it. I mean, I think it's fantastic for you to say you've, you've played in all of these derbies. You've played in a Rangers Celtic derby. But you're saying to me and our listeners that that game, that game against Charlton that got us promotion in May 85 was the best atmosphere you've ever played Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful to hear. That's you know, brilliant to hear. I felt that's... sorry for Charlton that day because it's 65,011 <laughs> city fans yeah. lining up against them. There was no way they were going to win. We could have played anybody that day and beaten anybody. Absolutely. What a great day. What a great party. Fantastic. Uh, and what about, so obviously we, we get promoted to uh, the first division as it was. Uh, we, we finished that season just, just above halfway, I think. Um, what were your kind of you kind of departing city? Um, sorry, I think I've, I've got that. So we're actually slightly, we're slightly below halfway, actually. But but you obviously, I don't think you started the season. I think you had a, picked up an injury. Um, we played, we so played so Hull and I season friendly at Boothbury, yeah. and I got injured. Yeah. Um, in fact, my first game was against West Ham. Would that be right? I think so, yeah. And I yeah. scored that day. But, but, but 
the manager had made he had made his um, his decisions in the close season that he was going to sign Matt Lillis and he was going to sign um, Little Gordon Davis David, from Gordon Davis, Davis from Fulham. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, neither of them had played in the first division, um, and um, you know, uh, disappointed that because um, I, I I love playing with Stevie Kinsey. You know, if, if Stevie Kinsey could have scored goals, Stevie Kinsey would have been a world beater. Because uh, I've said this to people that, that he's worked great. His, his unselfishness um, was immense, absolutely immense. Um, you know, and I, I thought he and I deserved the opportunity to at least find out whether I'd already played in the first division, so I was semi-confident that I could reproduce what I did for Leicester in Coventry. Um, but the manager decided otherwise. Um, uh, and can I just ask you, when a manager makes those decisions, so there you are, you're kind of the main striker, you've, you've scored a few goals, you've scored important goals, uh, you get the team promoted. What happens? Do you, how do you find out that Gordon Davis and Mark Linders are coming into the club? Is it Do they take you to one side and put their arm no, around you? and say, no, oh, no, or, Billy, Billy, was not, Billy was not a great man manager. So how do you um, find out then? They just turned up for training. You read, you read Manchester Evening News. You know. Um, and how does that and, make uh, you feel then? So, so you're there, you're playing, you, you go through all the things I've discussed. These two guys turn up. What? what how does how does Jim Melrose feel in that situation? Uh, well, uh, every new season is the same. It's a blank piece of paper. You forget what you've done. You have to you have to rewrite it again. So there is no difficulty in that. Where the difficulty comes is that the manager will continue to, take, to play two players ahead of you, irrespective of how they were playing. That's the difficult part. Um, you can go and play in reserve team football as it was then, put your shift in, do what you have to do. If the manager's not taking a blind bit of notice, particularly if you're doing it in training as well on a day-by-day basis, you quickly become disen- disenchanted. Yeah. Let's make no mistake about that. Sure. You become disillusioned, you know, and you think, well, you know, what's the point, you know? Um, but you have to pick yourself up um, because that's what football's all about. Football is it's all about knocks. It's not about good times. It's about what you do in the bad times. Um, and, you know, and Big Billy, he decided that, that, that he was going to change things. That's his prerogative. And I've talked about the the, the, the great goal. Um, I've picked out two sort of highlights for me from your career. The, the fantastic goal, as we said, against Notts County. That that amazing day against Charlton. Some of the characters as well. That you know your 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 good mate Gordon Smith and some of the other dry uh, characters. All the Scots yeah. within the team. Other highlight. And we talked. You've also talked very fondly about the fans as well. Your 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 other highlights then of your time at City. What other good memories do you have of your time at Main Road, Jim? I mean, obviously, um, we, 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 we played, you know, up until, up until Christmas time, up until, um, as I say, we, we, we went to, the, um, to Malaysia, we were playing some great stuff, and it was easy. It was, it was we were all, we were confident, we, 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 we took care of business, um, you know, but, but without a doubt, you know, the lads, you know, were a great bunch of lads, and that's, that's the dressing room makes a football club. You know, and, and everybody goes on about team spirit. Um, you know, and, and if I'm being absolutely honest, team spirit only comes about when you're winning every week, not when you're losing. It mm. kind of fragments a little bit. 
Um, but we had a lot of strong characters who knew we could play. Um, and, and getting up in the morning, my, my absolute highlight is getting up in the morning knowing that I'm getting in the dressing room and listening to these guys. Do you know what I mean? Contributing a wee bit here and there, you know, um, and just listening to them just rip the, rip the piss out of each other, basically, you know? Sure. If you had to pick one, and this is always difficult, but maybe one, or again, just fascinated uh, to get some insight. If there was one, who was the biggest character? Who was the biggest piss taker? Who was the driest? Who was the one that made you oh, laugh? Mick, Mick, Mick was the driest, you know. I mean, Mick, Mick, Mick was the driest. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Mick tells a story about me, and it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, my middle name is unusual. It's Millsop. And when we went out to Malaysia, the lads were all calling me. They discovered my name was Millsop. My middle name was Millsop. So they're all giving it Millsop this, Millsop that. <laughs> and we're sitting playing cards one night, and I said, right, this is it. Next one to call me Millsop, I'm going to knock out, right? And Big Mick walked in the door and he went, how are you doing, Millsop? I said, I'm fine, Mick. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> So, so obviously, um, you didn't play much that that season uh, in back in the first division. You talked about the other strikers coming in, um, and, and when did you know your time was up at City? How, how does that come about? You, you obviously you oh, said that, well, you, that, that came about. Um, uh, we were in training one day in a flat in Billy. I went straight through them. Um, uh, I'd had enough of them, and I got the opportunity to step over the ball, and I took it. Um, and um, <clears throat> a week later, I was on my way. <laughs> not a good move. Not not a good career move. Then I suppose is it really taking. The I, I just think it was a load of frustration. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and listen, I was not the only one. If you speak to people that, that played for City at that time, Derek Parlane, Jim Tommy, Gordon himself, they'll all tell you the same story. Big Billy, you, Big Billy went to bed one night and you were a good player. And by the morning, when by the time you woke up the next morning, you weren't. You were persona non grata. So off you went to Charlton yes. Athletic, I think. Off went to Charlton, yes. You played a few games there and on to Leeds and Shrewsbury yeah. and, and, yeah. and so on. So you, you played a lot of football, you know, over the yeah, years. Yeah, I think I had about 390 odd games, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and what, 100 goals or so as well? As yeah, a, a, a I think the thing so. you had in cup goals, etc., it's yeah. about 119 or something, which yeah. for an average player wasn't bad, you know. Well, it's something to be proud of looking back on that. There's one other incident I just want to put to you as well, and it, you know, it's been well documented. Just want to give you the opportunity. So, do, do you want to tell us anything? What can you tell us about the Chris Kamara incident then? Well, all I'll say about Chris Kamara is this is it, is it that he ran up behind me, he punched me, I went to sleep, I got my cheekbone broken, I was accused of, of, of certain comments. Um, I was then investigated by the PFA, Brendan Batson. I was into the, uh, uh, the Crown Prosecution Service, the FA, um, Shrewsbury CID, where they brought in um, lip breathers, etc. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I, and the mere fact that I wasn't charged with any impropriety, um, you know, should be enough. But even to this day, I still get people saying to me, what really happened? Nothing really happened. We had a tussle. I gave him one during the game, and for some strange reason, he ran up behind me and punched me at the end of the game, which is not the brightest thing to do. Um, why the rest of it came about, I've got absolutely no idea. No idea. Um, and it kind of rankles a little bit that, 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 that people will ask me about that. 
Um, and, and I think the biggest thing that I remember and all that, I got 150 letters, Nigel, from people who are calling me all sorts of things, racist, you name it. And the people who are brave enough to put their names and address, I answered and I said to them, look, I'm sorry you feel like that, but in the fullness of time, the truth will come out and I'll wait for your letter of apology. How many letters of apology did I get? Not now, many, I suspect. It's not, it's not a coincidence that you get investigated by four or five different <laughs> organisations and not one of them can find any credible evidence that I did what I was, said I was supposed to do. Thank you for that. Thanks for your honesty. Let, let's move on. Let, and, and after sort of playing then, sort of just, I, I, you did a bit of scouting, I think, as well, didn't you, as well? Yes, I was chief scout at Leicester City for, uh, for almost five years. In fact, I took, yeah, Neil lives in the other direction, five minutes away from me. Hmm. I was Neil Lennon's agent, um, who is ex-City as well. Um, and uh, I took him to Leicester City. I was Neil's first agent. And on the back of that, Martin asked me to be um, chief scout. Um, so I had three or four really good good years with them, um, and uh, I was there until 2000. Martin went home to Celtic. Um, and just just before you just before you move on, Joe, I'm just, again I'm interested in in terms of scouting and and just in terms of the skills that are required and what you're looking for. Just give us again a little bit of insight into you. Obviously, turn up, you get your your padded seat in the director's box. You got your pad and your and your pen in front of you. What what are you looking for? Is it different for each player, or is there a, are there certain things that you look for when you're sitting in the stand scouting a particular individual? Me personally. Right, me personally, I look at a player, I have to accept that the player has, has the ability to play at the level he's playing at, right? So when I go to see a player, um, I want to see him have the worst game ever. And the reason for that is, is quite simply, is that we all know that your best is good enough, is your worst acceptable. Yeah. Um, it's all about the bottom line. It's not about what happens on a good day, it's about what happens on a bad day. Do you understand you're having a problem? You know, whatever part of the game is not working that particular day, have you got other aspects of, of your game and more attributes to your game that can compensate for that? Are you prepared to take one for the team in terms of if your passing is not right, that you, you cut your passes down to five yards or you'll, you'll you know, at the very least, you'll stop your opponent playing? That's what I, that's, that was always my mantra. And when you're there and there's other scouts, are you saying I'm here to see Fred Smith or do you, do you lie or do you, how does it work? Do you all know who you're looking at pretty much? Are the same, similar scouts looking at the same of course, players? Of course they do. You, you know, you've got, you've got scouts who send in reports on players and you go and see them. Um, you're always looking for the unpolished diamond. Um, um, you know, and, and remember as well, in, in, the, in the 90s, the game was a little bit different to what it is now. Um, you know, everything was more paper-based rather than computer-based. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, they've got more electronic age now. In fact, I would tell you say now that football clubs are full of educated idiots who have never played the game. You yeah. know, who are, who are making decisions on players. Um, on their ability levels, and the guys that are making those 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 judgments couldn't kick a horse in the ass if they're holding it by the tail. Um, and, and and that's the bit I can't get my head round about. I know the game's changed, um, but you know if you want to be an electrician, you're taught by an electrician. You want to be a plumber, you're taught by a plumber. Football's no any different. 
but the get has the get again just to challenge that for a second i i get what you're saying but you you look at i don't know we can come on to the present day you look at someone like pep guardiola and he'll have probably lots of in your language educated idiots around him with more computers and you shake a stick at he doesn't play bad football um you know yeah, because to like to say you've got enough money you've got enough money to go and buy the best players but the best players don't always... I mean, Leicester City, why did Leicester City, one of your ex-clubs, of course, didn't necessarily have the best players, but they, they won the league? They, they were the best team for the season. They had the best players in the league for a season, and that's why they won the league. They had more consistent players than anybody else. You know, it's, there's, it, there's no, there is no, um, it's no mystery that the best teams have the best players. That's why they win everything. And the other adage as well is that your team is always judged by how good your front players are. And that's why City have been magnificent, because they've got Aguero. Aguero scores goals all over the shop. Leicester City had, had Vardy, who, who couldn't miss that season, if you remember. Yeah. You know, uh, um, uh, and what are your thoughts about today's setup? When you, when you go to, obviously, you're a football fan, you see the setup, you see the dietitians and, and the nutritionists and the and the and, and the, the thousands of people sitting on the bench behind. When, mm. And in your day, you'd have maybe a couple of people there with a bucket and a sponge. I'm being slightly disingenuous. <laughs> exactly. But, but, what, what, but what, what, what do you think when you see that, Jim? Don't get me wrong, there's there there a lot of value in a lot of the things that, that you know, your nutritionists, your physiotherapists. I mean, in our day, in my day, physiotherapists were not even qualified. There were ex-players who had done a physiotherapy course. Yeah. Um, you know, so from, a, from that aspect of it, it's, it's wonderful. Where I have got a problem is that, you know, um, you, when you've got a university graduate telling me that he's a good player because he's got 97% um, completion rate in his passes, yeah. it's not, it doesn't work for me, you know. Ball never gets tired, you know. And, and, and when you look at the team that, 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 that Pep put together, they're magnificent. He has got, you know, but the one, the one, the one enigma for City is we never seem to get the back four right. We get midfield and forward right, but you know, apart from Vincent Company and a wonderful little right back called Pablo Zabaleta, <laughs> we've had problems left side of defence for as long as I can remember, and we never seem to get that. And even when Company was missing, we had problems. We could never get. We were brought in John Stones. You've got, you know, Otamendi. It doesn't what combination we but we seem to have a problem. Um, what you know, about what about Benjamin Mendy, Jim? You've not mentioned Benjamin Mendy. What a superstar! Yeah, <clears throat> you, you know, it's, it's, that's why the boys are collecting is it, um, the, the, wee, the wee Ukrainian laddie, um, Sinchenko. He's kept, yeah, he's kept about the team for most. Of, uh, admittedly, he's been he's been he's, he's been injured. You talk about left back, of course. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, you know. The, the, you know, for me, the one that I like probably most there was Kolarov. You know, I thought he was he was decent, great left foot, um, cliche done all right, but we always seem to be sort of lopsided. You know, you get com you get company and Zabalet on one side, and A another and A another on the other, but they don't complement for me. You know, but going forward, midfield players, front men, we're magnificent. 
I mean, as you say, it's David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. Absolutely. <clears throat> to see those yeah. guys week in, week out is very, very, as a City fan, it's it's very special. Sad that uh, it's obviously David Silva's last season, of course, but we, yes, we'll, we'll wait I mean, and see. Exactly, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, to be fair, we have um, the, 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 the wee lad coming in now. Um, what's his name? He's been in at the team all season. Uh, what position? What Foden, we fill Foden. Um, I thought, yeah, sure. You know, I I think he he has got, you know, um, if he if, if if he if he can look after himself, mm-hmm. um, and, and Pep can 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 keep getting inside his head, I think you've got a natural made replacement for. But but you're right, you know, um, you know, he's just a wonderful player, wonderful sure. player. And and just looking forward, Jim, before we do our sort of final quickfire round at the end, which I do with all the all the players, your hopes for this season? I mean, we we don't know yet. Obviously, um, the virus is still around. We're still in lockdown. Uh, talk of sort of a kind of a World Cup style, everybody staying in camps and playing three games a day uh, behind closed doors just to get the season finished. Your your thoughts on that, Jim? I think what I think that Liverpool are so far ahead. They should award them the league because Liverpool have been the most consistent team this season. Where I think your problems are are at the other end of the table. Yep. Um, and, and in 1986-87 season, I played in the first playoffs, which was slightly different to to um, to how it's structured now. And, and what what I think they should do, they should award Liverpool the league, promote West Brom and Leeds, and let Aston Villa play in a playoff against the next three teams in the Championship. And that way they all get a chance because Aston Villa are a, are a game behind. Um, if they win that game in hand, then they jump up four places. I just think that if they want a solution, I don't think we should continue to play because I think we're in a very dangerous time with this virus because nobody really knows what it's going to do next. Um, you know, everybody's got differing opinions as to you know what lockdown is going to end like or whatever. I just think that. Um, from a football perspective, um, we should just close it down because there's people losing lives um, through a terrible, a terrible illness. And I would hate to think that, that any of the players. I mean, Germany announced last week that they were looking to play, and yet three players at Cologne went and tested positive the day before yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I tend to agree with you, but sadly, I don't think either of us are going to get our wish. I, I think absolutely. I think uh, it does appear that, and it's likely that they're going to crack up with their yeah, plans. I mean, this is, this is driven it. by the repayment back to Sky. I think of course, it's, you know, it's all about um, you know, and I think that that for a long time everybody's been waiting for the bubble to burst, and that bubble was Sky, and it's taken a virus. Um, and I just think that from here on in, there's a number of clubs that are going to be in awful financial trouble. Um, And there's going to be casualties no matter what happens. Listen, Jim, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Uh, We're going to do the quick fire round before you go. Uh, Are you ready for this? Uh, The the rules are you can't think think about it too much. You give me the first thing that comes into your head. And there are two choices. Are you ready to go? Fire away. Marmite. Love it or hate it? Hate it. Sky blue or red and black stripes? Red and black stripes. Bell or De Bruyne? De Bruyne. Christmas or your birthday? Christmas. McNeil, I think I know the answer to this one. McNeil or Frizzell? Oh, Frizz. <laughs> Sky, uh, sorry, ski slopes or beach? Beach. 
A pint of beer or a glass of wine? Neither. Oof. A Beatles. <laughs> good, good man. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. And finally, and I'm being a bit cheeky asking this one, we're going to go for it now. Britain or Scotland? Britain. Good man. Listen, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure for joining us. Thank you so much to Jim Melrose. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, this is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.